0: Hello, and welcome to Bringing Education Home. I'm Herb.
1: And I'm Christina. Together, we are bringing you ideas about education, entrepreneurship, and relationships that are both inside
0: and outside the box. If you like the show, be sure to follow Christina on Facebook.
1: And leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform.
0: Today, I have the pleasure of introducing Clarissa Constantine. Clarissa is an only child who had a rough relationship with her mom, during college at the University of Hartford, she began what would turn into a decades long career as a test prep coach. She's helped thousands of kids around the world navigate the college and grad school admissions processes. Along the way, she's joked that she sometimes finds herself playing the role of a therapist more than tutor, helping kids manage the stresses of life. But no matter how many young adults she's helped, she longed for a closer, more intimate relationship with her own mother. Unfortunately, that didn't come to pass before her mom passed away in November of 2019. She's driven to help other families avoid the heartache, the lost years, and the regret that she and most likely her mom experienced. This includes working directly with families to find the resources they need, as well as coaching business owners who work with teens, tweens, and families. Welcome, Clarissa. Thank you for being here today.
2: Thank you so much, both of you, for having me. I love meeting with other folks who work in a similar space and, uh, and work together to grow and help more families.
1: Exactly. That is a, that's the big goal, isn't it? Help those families. Exactly. Uh-huh. You know, you said that um, you wish that you had a better relationship with your mom. We have a son that we don't quite get to talk to as much as we want to. And uh-huh. so that's, you know, one of the reasons to build those families strong.
2: Absolutely. And it's... <laughs> Well, and that's, you know, that's the thing is that I don't have the opportunity to have that conversation with my mom anymore and say, look, you know, would you, I I kept asking for things that I now recognize she wasn't able to give. Yeah. And, um, things happen when somebody passes away and then other things can't happen thereafter. You know, and so I look at it, and I'm like, you know, can we save everyone? Can we save every family? Can we repair every relationship? No, because it takes two people to want to to repair it if it's if there's a rift. Right. But the more that we can do, especially with younger kids, you know, like the b- before a lot of the things before the the cracks start yes. to be created, uh-huh. then we have a shot at having at least less significant rifts mm-hmm. and or opportunities to avoid rifts, maybe even, I mean, that's some people would say I'm high in the sky about that, but (laughs) so.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I think we really do. And, you know, a lot of people have been talking about communication with the generations that are coming up. It's like, let's talk to them more, let's experience more of their life. Let's figure out what makes them tick and help them understand what make us tick because, you know, it has to be an understanding both directions.
2: Well, and I think the other thing to consider, there's there's two points here. Number one, yes, I agree that that understanding does need to go both ways. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes, that understanding is going to necessarily and appropriately be imbalanced Mm -hmm. when it's a parent-child, particularly until the kiddo is 25 or so, because their brains aren't fully formed until then. Not to say that there can't be any two-way but it's not going to seem like an equitable two-way probably until they get to that age and actually have a fully formed brain. And then that's accepting any issues from traumatic brain injuries, you know, that they may have experienced as a kid or, or whatever all, or that the mom or dad experienced that inhibits some of that. Cause it's, it's, it's an injury, you yeah. know, but I also think, you know, So many people, so many parents I hear also full disclosure for listeners. I know Christina and I had this conversation previously. I'm not a mom. Um, I don't know the, the challenges intimately that moms face. I also don't know the joys that they face. So I can only speak from what I've observed Mm -hmm. and I've observed a lot in 25 years working with families. Yeah. Um, lost my train of thought. Oh, I can't tell you how many parents moms especially mine included have said well you can talk to me about anything or my kids know they can talk to me about anything except and, and I, I don't i don't mean to invalidate that sentiment i know that i wish that everyone felt comfortable talking to me and i know that there are people who don't feel comfortable talking to me as a human never mind as a mom because mm-hmm. i've said or done things in the past that have have maybe broken the connection between us, or they know that I feel firmly on one side of an issue and they are firmly on the other. And if I present that in such a way as like, I'm right, you're wrong, they're going to shut down. Yeah. So yes, there's a lot about communication. And I think there's a lot that goes on even underneath communication that creates connection. Right. So
1: it makes a lot of sense, exactly. And you know, we all have to have our outlets where we can kind of vent and not maybe damage a relationship. So yeah, you can't necessarily always talk about everything with you know with one mm-hmm. person. You know, marriage is the same way, you know, you want to be able to communicate and be have a great relationship with your spouse, but every mm-hmm. once in a while you just need to go vent to somebody else a little bit.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's especially when you're talking, excuse me, like personal relationships we have patterns of behavior and we have patterns of responses and we have patterns of like you always, or you never, or which number one, isn't always true. (laughs) Like there is no absolute. You don't always do X, Y, or Z. I can say you almost never do X, Y, or Z, or you almost always do it, but like the always and never are awfully extreme.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, you know, then we fall into the responses. Like, you know, when I say this, your typical response is that, and that doesn't get anywhere. Exactly. Or when you say this, my typical response is that, which doesn't get us anywhere. <laughs> well, let's jump back
1: to your bio for a minute there. And you said that you were, a, um, sorry, a tutor mostly for helping yeah. kids into testing and things like that. But now you're doing this other thing with the twe- teens and tweens and kind of right. a kind of thing. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? What made that transition and what, what's the passion behind that change?
2: Okay. So we've established that my mom and I did not navigate my teenage years, young adult years, not so young adult years. <laughs> <laughs> Very well. Uh, my husband also dealt with a lot, uh, when he was a kid. Um, Gratefully, he had survived two suicide attempts by the time he was 14 and has navigated a lot of, of stuff as an adult. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that stems from experiences when he was a kid. So we both had our stuff as kids. Right. Um, in my time as a test prep coach, you know, I've been doing it 25 years. He's been working with youth athletes and with young adults as a teen mentor for the last like 13 years. Okay. So between the two of us, we've got a lot of personal experience with where teens are today. And uh just kind of been kind of kind of a natural outgrowth of what we do professionally. Um, but really what started the parent-tween connection was a conversation with a friend of ours. Um, her youngest child at the time was 15. Mm-hmm. And mom said to me, I just wish I had someone to talk to, or like I just would know. She said, I wish I had other parents to talk to. Okay. Her daughter at the time was doing absolutely everything you don't want your 15 year old daughter doing I will let you imagine it she was doing it okay mom was appropriately I would say uh and profoundly terrified that her daughter was going to come home pregnant in jail or dead Uh and when she said to me Clarissa I just wish I had other parents to talk to and when she said that like I knew like she was glad to just talk to me as a friend, but I'm not a parent. Like I said, I can't give her action steps or here's what you can do. Right. It was a, it was a light bulb for me. And I thought back to, you know, what my mom's experiences must've been when I was a teenager and, you know, trying to look at it from the adult perspective now, that I've got, I'm talking to the adults about it. Right. All right. And I, I, I stopped and I thought it was like, okay, you know what, when, when families, when we have young families, new parents. Yeah. We know that they don't know anything about kids. Right. No parent, right.
1: no instruction
2: manual. Correct. So we do these things like throw baby showers. Why don't we throw preteen ta- showers? Like when the kid turns 10, how about we buy an entire new wardrobe because they're growing so darn fast, you can't keep <laughs> them in clothes, right? Yeah. Um. Or like, you know, give them gift cards to the grocery store because they're eating so much <laughs> or whatever the case may be, right? Yeah. So like, but when they're little, we know that the parents don't know what to do yet. I mean, yes, there's the argument like instinct can kick in and when you, anyway, right? So there's and there's a whole lot of community around parents of littles. There's mops groups and stroller strides groups and kinder music groups like those kinds of things. There's lots of mommy and me, daddy and me opportunities. And it's also way more acceptable socially to talk about the challenges that they face, it's it's totally acceptable to talk these days thank god about postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, potty training, latching, nursing, right. Sleep training. How do you go from a crib to a toddler bed? Like it's acceptable to talk about those challenges that that, that families are facing. Yeah. But you fast forward 10 years and as a society we kind of think that parents have it all figured out. <laughs> And every parent that I say that to laughs because they're like, yeah, no, we thought we needed the manual when they were newborns. We really need the manual now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. But on top of that, Mm -hmm. we have 10 years of relationship, 10 years of what some would call baggage with this individual, 10 years of what I will at least say are those repeated patterns that keep coming up. Right. Yeah. And. The kids are individuating, which means moms largely, not that dads don't experience this, but I don't think dads identify as dads in the same way that moms identify as moms. Like that That's part of who they are,
1: mm-hmm.
2: especially if a mom has taken the step to be a stay-at-home mom and really make her life about taking care of the kids. As the kids start to individuate, many moms start to have their own identity crisis. Like who am I if this child is not completely dependent upon me or upon us? And again, I'm not saying that that dads don't go through that. I don't, I just don't, I don't think it's the same. And I haven't honestly heard from enough dads to know. Right. But so they're individuating. Parents are going through this crisis of identity. Oh, and by the way, as the kids are individuating, the decisions that they're making carry a lot more immediacy and a lot much, like much larger repercussions. Like, one incident of unprotected sex and you could have a a pregnancy or an STI, Mm -hmm. right? Like not sleeping through the night isn't necessarily the same style of challenge, right? Right, exactly.
1: And may I add in there, they also now have all the outside influences of school and media and everything that we didn't have on the littles. Yep,
2: yep. Oh, and then let's also talk about the mental health that comes up, not only for the parents, but also the kids. We're not really dealing for the most part, with mental health challenges of two year olds.
1: Right. Right. They're pretty happy to get lucky most of the time.
2: <laughs> oh, and then let's add on the social stigma about like, where do you go when you find out your kid is having sex? Depending upon your house of worship, that may or may not be a safe place for you to talk about it. That's true. As an example, um, if your kid just got arrested, are you going to necessarily go tell your friends? Are they going to judge you? Are you even going to say it because you want to protect your kids confidentiality if your child is navigating sexuality and and identity you know gender identity questions mm-hmm. that's not something that you can necessarily in today's society go talk about with everybody right and depending on the circumstance there's a lot of shame that parents feel because I must've done something right because I'm the only thing that could have possibly screwed them up. And I I say that marginally tongue in cheek, Uh because let's be honest, every parent I know is going to be like, yeah, I really wish I hadn't just done that. Right.
1: Then they did that that as a mom of two boys. Yep. Right.
2: Holy dumpster fire. (laughs) I like that. Right no wonder parents are terrified of having teenagers. There's no community. There's no support. And it's just, I can see why so many folks are terrified and I can see why we have such disconnect. Mm -hmm. So that was, that's the long story of when she said that to me, where we started, that was what lit my flame. I thought about what my parents' experiences must've been. I could still ask my dad, but my dad and I didn't, (laughs) didn't knock heads nearly like my mom and I did, you know, I think about like what my husband's family navigated during, you know, and what so many families navigate with assisted or with attempted or um, completed suicides, you know, like they, there's a lot of like, well, we we think that we're going to, if we talk to them about suicide or sex or drugs or whatever, they're going to do it. Now, guess what? They're talking about it. The question is whether we, as the adults in the world are going to have that conversation. So anyway, so that was literally what, what drove me. Um, We started as a Facebook group, and at this point, the the vision is literally global domination. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just keep getting so, and keep spreading it.
2: Exactly. Uh, well, that's why I appreciate opportunities to be on podcasts and to share right. with with other families. Um, so basically, the vision has four components. Think of it like four overlapping circles, like a, a four part Venn diagram from high school. <laughs> okay. Um, one mm-hmm. part is a family community. It's mm-hmm. called Parent Tween Village. It's community for families. And I want to emphasize families. It's not just parents. It's grandparents, aunts, uncles, step parents. Yeah. Um, to come together a couple of times a month, um, talk about some of our foundations of connection, which I can share that with you if you, you know, can put a link to my website. Yes. Um, for anyone who's interested, we can come back to that. Um, and exclusive insights from our podcast guests and, and and such. So it's not necessarily one specific coach giving insight. It's an array of coaches, you know, and, and where we can ask a perhaps a broader spectrum of questions than in, in some other parent membership groups. So that's one, one piece. Second piece is the Trusted Expert Network. Um, one of the challenges that my friend was navigating, she's like, I don't know where to go. I've been to the school. I've been to the pediatrician. Where else do I go? What book do I read? Like, who knew that parent coaching was a thing, right? And so the Trusted Expert Network is, think of it kind of like an Angie's List. You know, if you're a homeowner, Angie's List has the plumbers and the electricians and the roofers listed on it. Well, we have the professionals who work with families. So the life coaches, the parenting coaches, the teen mentors, the SAT coaches, and college admissions professionals, and career exploration, and attorneys who can help you when your kid gets arrested for shoplifting and like you know again the things that kids do um so we're the the go-to place for those kinds of professionals and on the back end of it for the professionals we actually have a growing like actual network where we get together periodically virtually we know each other's businesses we collaborate we refer each other so that um you know, certainly so we can help each other as, you know, as business owners keep roofs over our heads, but we do that by helping families. And so the, I believe the tighter of a net that we weave as professionals, the more supported and educated parents are going to feel or knowledgeable they're going to feel and the better they're going to be able to connect with their kids and advocate for them. And I believe that that will lead to fewer suicides. So Those are our, the two first pieces, the family community and the parent, the, the professional community. The third part is actually super new. As of just a few months ago, we do have a leg of our organization called the Parent Tween Foundation, which is a 501c3. Uh, it's a nonprofit entity. And the goal is like, it's one thing to say, hey, Mr. Professional and, and prospective client, like prospective family, you guys should work together. Like right. this professional can really help the family. If the family can't afford it and the professional isn't in a situation to, to gift, you know, free service hours or whatever,
1: right.
2: there's often an impasse that is impassable, <laughs> right? Um, So that the funding, foundations, that what's that?
1: Situation, right. Pure yeah.
2: funding, pure funding.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, Our mission is to be able to help bridge the gap between the families and the professionals yeah. so that... The professionals can still make a reasonable amount on their services based on what they know they need to keep the roof over their head. Um, And the families will still contribute, but we want to be able to bridge that gap. Nice. So um, and then the fourth piece that's coming soon, uh, we're probably launching this late this year, early next year, is we want to have local communities. There's a, a, a huge number of fantastic online memberships. Yeah. And I think COVID, one of the things they showed us is that that online communities can work really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's still something different about being in person with others. Yeah. Exactly. So we've got everything that we have so far is virtual, but when we launch our local communities, those will be probably led by professionals of our trusted expert network as our community builders and they'll host events for both families and professionals, whether they're educational events, social events, philanthropies, you know, local, you know, let's go do a 5k together for a a, a cause, or let's go down and pack lunch for the school kids or whatever it is, right? Like doing something to give back in the community, just as a way to like be in community with a, a foundation of like, Hey, it's okay to talk about the real deal here because so many places families can't do that.
0: Yeah. yeah. When we launched Vibrant Family Education, that was part of our vision, mm-hmm. our goal is to be able to get to that place. So yeah. that somebody else is ahead of us starting to, to pave that path and to lead the way is is extremely hopeful to us that, that we can yeah. also you know, maybe even absolutely connect in like and, and help along yeah. with that. But also, you know, absolutely along with yeah. that as well. So it's a beautiful, beautiful vision that you have. Yeah.
2: That's uh, you know, we're we're still in the early stages. Um As entrepreneurs, I know, you know, and for entrepreneurs listening, you know, if your business doesn't grow the way you envision it, it's not because there's an idea, like it's a bad idea or there's something wrong with the idea is that there's something within you that needs to grow somehow, some way to be able to fix whatever the challenge is in the business. And that's been a lot of it for me. You know, honestly, I think I needed to get to the other side of my mom's passing Uh and let go of a lot of anger and a lot of, a lot of negative energy that was holding me back. Yeah, and shortly thereafter, COVID hit, and we all know what that did. <laughs> yeah, kind of pushed
1: everything. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, I I love um you know that you have your group of experts that you're bringing together, and that's kind of why we're doing this podcast is because we're talking to some of those experts and people mm-hmm. and leaving this little trail of crumbs and expert ideas and help for our parents as we build vibrant family, and then um how you're talking about the local kinds of things, even though we well eventually probably have you know different groups of vibrant family we were going to bring all of our families together at least once or twice a year so even yeah. though our families are virtual they can get together and still connect and do an activity together a Absolutely. couple of times a year a quarterly meeting kind of thing mhm Super important.
2: Well, and I joke around with folks. I'm like, dude, I knew that relationships could be established online 20 years ago because my husband and I met on match.com before it was socially acceptable. So like you can't tell me that you can't at least start bonds there. Is it different in person? For sure. But like you can get some really good stuff. And for me, I was like, "Oh, he knew how to spell." I'm a test prep coach. That was like kind of important, like not critical, but like that was one of the things that struck me. But yeah. because like, like, we were on like AOL Instant Messenger, which totally uh-huh. dates us, but like we typed to each other, and I was like, "Oh, like he's clearly, like he's
0: articulate. Yeah,
2: he's yeah, he's articulate. So, so cool, you know? Yeah. So funny things that you find out that way, <laughs> right? Exactly.
1: Well, you know that really." Lates back to when I was teaching online with my kids, Mm -hmm. you know, at first people are like, there's no way you can have a kindergartner or a first grader learn online. It's like, yes, you can, if you build that relationship. And, you know, even though their parents were doing a lot of the heavy lifting at home, helping them, they Mm -hmm. wanted to come online and talk with me and do silly things with me. They wanted to read books with me. They wanted to really make that connection. Right. And one of the things I love them best was, when they would go on vacation, and they would get to take their computer with them and go do something. All of a sudden, I was on vacation, too, because I could see the beach house that they were at, or I got to see grandma's turkey running around the farm or all those kinds of things. And so those relationships really were cemented. And so it can really happen. But again, bring it back to you in person when you can.
2: And it's, you know, I mean, hello, we text every day. Best we're true. on instant messenger. All of us are in some fashion, unless we're a Luddite or we're a, we're a recluse. Like we all use technology to some extent every day, practically. Yeah. So like half the questions my husband and I have are by Facebook instant messenger, because we we're in opposite places or we're in between, or we just have a minute or something. And it's like, never instant. I mean, we also see each other in person, but like it can work. Yes. Yep. So
0: so back to some of the tween stuff. That's when yeah. we started losing contact with our youngest son.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh huh.
0: Um, we we actually had what was a what we considered a pretty good relationship. Um, his friend group was always at our house because we were the place to be. Um, right. We actually talked they to ate some us of, out
1: of house and home. <laughs> we actually we actually
0: talked to some of his friends now, even though he's won't talk, doesn't necessarily talk to us anymore. Uh-huh. They kind of thank us for. For how we talked and how we brought that all back together, awesome. and so um, we think that so there there was a girl involved um, uh-huh. in our loss of contact with him, and uh-huh. uh, from a different set of values, from a different way of growing up, sure. and yeah. so that whole throwing off of the parental role, he like we we were very conservative, mm-hmm. and now he went way the other way, sure, uh, and so. How, how would you, how would you work with someone who's starting to lose contact with their children mm-hmm. in that way? How would you bring that communication back? Because also from that conservative viewpoint, from even the biblical viewpoint is, is the son has to come back to the father, the father can't chase the son. Mm-hmm. So when he wouldn't come talk to me, whenever I tried to reach out and bring that back, everything just always got worse. Everything I tried to say just made things worse. So I like backed off hoping that he would eventually come back to me Yeah, and that, that it didn't get worse, but it just stopped.
2: It hasn't helped either yet. It didn't get better, did it? Unfortunately. So, okay. So my first, my first automatic instinct is I would say, So I personally don't do a ton, a ton, a ton of coaching. Mm -hmm. I'm, I really like to refer to folks who are specialists in particular areas. I would say, and I don't have this person yet, but I will try to find this person. (laughs) Right. Finding, if we go back, whatever the timeframe was, right. That we're talking about when you were like, Hey, when could I have maybe done something differently or, or, you know, whatever. Um, I literally just had somebody say this to me, hang on, I'm going to go back. To Facebook Messenger because somebody just said to me today. She goes, "Parent coaching is one thing that I think is so sorely needed and not talked about enough. You can have a coach for everything else. Why not for like the most important long-term thing you do?" Yes. Right? yes. And I literally said to her, "I'm like, I'm going to use that in my marketing because she's the parent of like a three-year-old right now, and I'm like, you get this. Like, good for you." <laughs> exactly.
0: So I, I would like to say that that is a very mom point of view right there. Because your children are not the most important thing. This is the most important thing because my kids are going to be with me for 18 years, maybe more. She's going to be with me the rest of my life. So your mom point of view puts the children first. The dad point of view puts the wife first. Well, and
2: to that point, that's also an aspect of like couples coaching, Mm -hmm. right? And for some families, therapy is appropriate. And I see a very distinct a very clear distinction between therapy and coaching. Yes. I see it just for listeners. I perceive therapy as somebody who is clinically trained and capable of helping you navigate the things that have happened in your past that were traumatic in some sense, but whether it was like mom didn't come quickly enough when you cried out for a band aid, or you got bitten by a dog or whatever. Right. Um, also for like clinical mental health therapists are a completely critical piece of the process I look at coaching as something that is more directed toward the future and changing behavior some would say it's similar to cognitive behavioral therapy or dbt the cbt or dbt but it's very forward-looking so the first thing that I would have said to you whatever time frame ago we're talking would be like have you sought out a parent coach whose values you share
1: Ah, there you go.
2: Okay. If the, if biblical principles or Judaic principles or Islamic principles, whatever the the belief system is, if that's the core of where you're coming from, you've got to make sure that any support that you get falls in line with that. Cause otherwise you're going to throw it out the window. So why bother? Right. Yeah. Um, if I were to step in and give you insight, I would say, number one, you can only control you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, number two, from my perspective, having grown up with a parent whose belief system was more conservative than mine has grown into, that was a big reason that I opted out of ch- chatting with her for a couple of reasons, or uh, for a couple of situations, because I I did not feel that she'd have my back in the way that I felt she needed me or felt I needed her. her. Yeah. <laughs> like she's <laughs> and hers and we's and they's. <laughs> you know. Um, full disclosure, we're just going to go ahead and say it. My mother was from a very, a a belief that, um, sexual intimacy was for married, marital purposes, procreative, procreative purposes, period. Like not just within marital relations, but for procreation period.
1: Okay. Yep.
2: Okay. I knew without question, regardless of where my status was in terms of my activity, uh-huh. If I were to get pregnant, I could not go to her because the blame would have been so heavy. Yeah. And the shame for me would have been so heavy from her in that circumstance. So, and that's just speaking from my circumstance as the daughter, one of the things that I've seen over the years that families struggle with is how do you teach kids morals and teach them? I love you even when you make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So that's probably the biggest piece that I would have given you then is like, okay, you have your beliefs, your kid may or may not share those beliefs and you can't foist them upon them, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on whose perspective, right? Like, I don't mean to be disrespectful on that, but like some of the stuff that my mom believed just doesn't sit right for me. And I'm not saying that it was wrong for her. It just doesn't fit for me. And I think, I mean, if we look at Christianity, like that, we've got a multitude of variations of Christianity that are all based on the same son of God, but -hmm. there are different interpretations. And Mm -hmm. so I would say like, okay, if as the adult in this situation, we have one interpretation Mm -hmm. that works for us, even within the, the grander scheme, there's variations, right? How can I show them that I still love them, even when? Not note that I'm not saying if I'm saying even when they behave in a way that I don't
1: agree approve with of. Yeah,
2: air quotes. Yeah, and that's that could be whether they're having sex outside of marriage, whether they're lesbian, gay, LGBTQIA+, whether they opt out of going to college, whatever it is that their their thing is different than what you believe. I think it's looking at it and going, how can I love them even when they make decisions that I don't agree with? Right. And that's hard. I don't know the answer to that, to be clear.
1: But, you know, it goes back to looking at and figuring out a way to communicate, talk about it, show it in some ways, because lots of times words don't let you know as much as actions, you know.
2: And actually, Mm -hmm. so I'm going to come back to mentioning the foundations of of connection. Christina, I think you and I talked about those. For listeners, if you don't see this, I'm going to read them real quickly, and I'm going to come back to where I think this fits. Okay. Well, the first, so all the letters of connection spell, uh, the first letters of these phrases spell out the word connection is what I was going to say. So it's create a safe place, observe, non-judgment, nod and smile explore challenge your truths or curiosity take your time innovate own your own story and nurture
0: love it we actually had quite a lot of that right i i'm i'm a very interesting individual i was kind of ahead of the curve when we were growing up Mm -hmm. and so even even after what happened happened it's like most people when we would say what's tell them what's going on they were just absolutely flabbergasted with like really
1: the reaction the the
0: reaction so um yeah so
1: (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) and here's the thing right find the little nugget that would keep keep it together for some reason yeah
2: and you know what here's the thing there's an aspect of it takes two to tango Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and and i've been accused of having a really strong personality um yeah. i i have a way of talking of of being that i guess intimidates a lot of people but again my i didn't feel like my son was necessarily yeah. intimidated and so yeah there's just there was just a whole lot of weird things and, and it did happen when he was 18 19 so we had we know less his con- brain
1: functions weren't 100%. And, now, and now he's
0: 30, and now we were hoping that after that brain, because you know, the, the last thing that happens at the 25 years old is that it gives them a chance to look back at their life and start understanding regret and how their actions change people. So that's the last, you know, the last thing that happens at 25.
2: And that thought process, I would argue, doesn't even start happening. Like the capacity is there, but does it naturally start happening? But at that point, Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I don't think that actually probably starts happening until maybe you're mid to late 30s and you're looking down the barrel of 40 going, oh, my God, maybe I'm halfway through my life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, depending on what your your personal life expectation is, you know?
0: Right. So it still feels like I'm waiting for him to come home somehow. And, but again, it's like, I can't really reach out. So, you know, that's still a weird thing because I can do anything that I can on my side, but until he's willing, you know, there's nothing that I can do.
2: And that's, and here's the thing. When I say my point about challenge your truths, Mm -hmm. I, you know, the old saying, there's three sides to every, every story, yours, mine, and the truth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number one, there's interpretation of facts. Right. But number two, I firmly believe there is more than any of us will ever see. Right. You have not lived his life. And so you don't, you can't like just as a human being can't understand his experiences. Yep. Even as a parent looking at it, going like, I don't understand. (laughs) Right, Like even like, that's a different, not understanding, but just from a physical, like you, the two of you. As long as you've been together and as well as you know each other, you cannot 100% know the other person's experiences because you're not that person.
0: No, every day I learn something new about her and we've been together for 30 years. And, and exactly. that's, that's the joyful part of it is like, wow, that's that's an amazing yeah. new thing that I found out yeah. about her. Yeah. yeah. And heck, there's still and stuff I'm finding out about me and I've lived with me for 53 years <laughs> and I don't even understand myself. I So I don't even, I don't well, even. Well, exactly. Exactly.
2: And so I would say, like, with the things that you saw, the things that you know to be true, mm-hmm. be like, huh, if I was in his shoes and I believed the things that he believed, however he came to believe them, like, it's kind of a really cool, like, dress up, pretend kind of game, but really kind of scary at the same time, Of <laughs> um, like, what decisions might I have made? Right. Ch- yeah. And Challenging the truths and going, you know, it's not always black or white. There is always more than meets the eye. I had a situation with a friend recently where she is one hundred percent convinced that she knows exactly what happened and why it happened. There's been a rift, yeah, and she has no clue. Yeah, she hasn't reached out to find out, and I'm not inclined to share with somebody who hasn't reached out to find out. It is what it is. It's just, yeah. for, I mean, it's not my child, so it's much easier for me to dissociate and be like, peace out, right? <laughs> but again.
1: Yeah look at those people in your life and you know if they aren't willing to take a step towards you
2: to kind of figure it out then maybe they don't yeah yeah. Exactly. yeah and I mean at this point herb I would say you know keep in touch with the friends keep making overtures because it's what you want to do not because you expect them to be returned. you know I mean heck my dad and I still have a reasonably good relationship and I get frustrated when I don't hear from him for however long and I'm like you could text me you know now again i don't know the dynamic there i don't know if that would be how you feel about that but like as an example you know just hey thinking of you or i don't know whatever it is whatever overtures if you feel that they're appropriate or they're comfortable for you and you're doing it because you want to do it and for no other reason
0: yeah yeah we haven't made an overture in over five years now so it's just
1: just been one of those things yeah yeah
2: But again, that's why I say it's got to be an overture that you feel right making,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: you know, and this is so much of the work that I know that you do and that that I'm passionate about is helping families as much as we can avoid situations like this. Here's the thing. There may be a mental illness going on for him that you don't know about.
0: Yeah, we do know that he smacked his head several times in the last two years before he left and in a lot of things changed with him. And yeah. I know how bad that can be because I have suffered a series of traumatic brain injuries that took my life apart as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you know, it's whether sort of it was- It's weird
0: to wish that your son has brain damage and that's why he won't talk to you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but like, do you see what I mean? That like, that's a different perspective on it? Yeah right because maybe at this point it has very little to do with either of you personally i don't know right but and maybe it does who knows right but like maybe it's not or maybe it's um you know whether it's a brain injury or you know ADHD that was never diagnosed like there's there's a whole lot that Again, we don't know so many things about ourselves, like you were saying, never mind about all the other people. So, like, hey, I like to ask what else could be going on? Right. You know, it's kind of like in a business brainstorming session, you're like, what are all the ways that we could do marketing and sales? And you write everything down, no matter how wackadoodle, cray cray, or like from Mars it seems like it could be. And you mm-hmm. kind of start whittling away, right? What are all the zany, you know, wacky, things that could be going on maybe he was taken over by aliens right like okay probably not yeah. really what happened but like
1: or influenced strongly by other people Hmm.
2: but you know what we like, all are the yeah. issue is that those other people have different beliefs than yours yep exactly you are the
0: part of growing up is the rejection of the father to find your own way but then again, there's the coming home to save the father aspect of, of the whole, you know, again, the the
1: family dynamics, family
0: dynamics yeah. of the, the, that's, and yeah. that's more of the archetype of creation of the, yeah. of the family as well. So, mm-hmm. yep. Uh,
2: and it's, I didn't come home to my mother. Now, uh, granted, you know, I don't know if that's just a, a dude thing or not, because that's not a, a structure within I within which I'm have a lot of familiarity, but my mom and I didn't talk for most of the last 10 years of her life. Yeah, yep. definitely, you know, and in that case, I was trying to make the overtures because I wanted to have that, mm-hmm. but it was unre- unreciprocated. Yeah, exactly. you know, so again, like I had to go back and go like, okay, what else could be going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And it's, it's not, none of this is easy. Humaning isn't easy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which brings me back to that point where you said, you know, and what the, the mommy wrote down and said is why don't we get coaching? Why don't we get help? One of our tenants of vibrant family education is that, you know, we have entrepreneurs trying to grow their business. So they get a whole bunch of professional development. Mm -hmm. We have marriages that are on the rocks. So we get a coach or get a counselor. We have professional development for that. Right. What about that third leg? Why don't we have that more coaching helping for that family so we can grow that together? And we so, do
0: that through education. So it's, yeah. and again, to Absolutely. working yeah. with entrepreneurs as an entrepreneur, it's like mm-hmm. personal development and business development are so important to entrepreneurs. And a lot of times the entrepreneur gets into the place where it's like, oh, I'll fix my family once I make the money, once I get successful. Once I get to this point, then I'll bring my kids in and help. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's part of how we think we lost our son as well. So part of the education is to bring education home and make education part of the family. And it's going to increase the communication. That's going to increase the learning They will be learning, the loving to learn together and growing together. And so part of, part of our education process is to is to make that part of the family instead of sending your kids off to be learning from some other people and in these environments where maybe other people's ideas and values are being pushed on their children instead of the values that we have at home. So Uh that is kind of where we're at. So Uh our, our tragedy has is kind of bringing us to bring the family back together. And that's
2: right. That's the key for so many of us as entrepreneurs is, you know, when we're more mission-based, it's like, look, I navigated this and I don't want others to navigate it. Yep. You know, or I want them to, I want to help them navigate it more effectively than I feel I was able to something like that, you know?
0: Yeah. Cause I crashed Um, on these rocks and now I can see the path over here. So, Hey, don't follow me. Go over there.
2: Do it the other way. Well, Uh, and it's also, I mean, the other thing to keep in mind is, what works for one kid isn't going to work for another. What works in one family isn't going to work for another. And, you know, my husband right now is working with an eight-year-old who's dealing with a pretty significant mental illness and cannot be in the public school system right now. So, or in a private school system, quite frankly. Um, And the, so the parents are having to take that step into schooling them from home. And he's the only one of the several kids in the family that are doing that, you know? And so that's, the having that time together is helping the kids so much that, you know, they're hopeful that at some point they'll, he'll be able to integrate more into group style stuff, whether it's in school or, you know, teamwork at work or getting a job or whatever the case may be. But right now that one-on-one personal support is really what the kiddo needs. And so
0: I would it that, you're that it's like wow if we're making that much of a difference in this child's life we should take our other kids into this <laughs> realm
2: well but that's but again that may not be better for that other kid
0: right right
2: you know and that's where like you've got as parents it's, it's your responsibility to go hey what works best for this child within the family structure right you know yeah that's
1: part of you know our coaching is helping parents go through those steps and think about what's going to be best for this child what's going to be best for this child Mm -hmm. how can we maybe wrap around the public education system you know Mm -hmm. and make things better if that's where they need to stay but if they want to do this other thing instead then bringing it all together and
0: bringing in psychology because you know extroversion versus introversion the extroverts really do get their energy and their life force from being around other people Mm -hmm. so the extroverted kids do really well in more group public school Mm -hmm. kind of situations but where the introverts who do better in smaller groups and in a more alone time because they get their energy from from being alone and from gathering their space, you know, they need being in thrust into the public education system might not necessarily be the best so so by being able to learn your children and how they are then you can help navigate the whole the whole family system better
2: absolutely yeah I
1: absolutely love your message and what you're doing and how you're helping those families of those older kids. And we really appreciate you bringing those stable people together to help them out. And you know, it's awesome to be able to interviews and talk to people like you. So our parents are also knowing that there's some other access mm-hmm. from other sources mm-hmm. out there. So we really appreciate your time. Before Thank we for anything else that you really wanted to get out there to the parents or the families who are listening today.
2: I think the number one, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. You're not alone. You are not, I promise you just because nobody else is talking about it, doesn't mean they're not navigating it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, um, ask for help. There is help available. And you know what, if, if one environment isn't a safe space for you to ask for help in, find another one. There you go. You know, if it's your work community, your house of worship, your family, whatever the group is that you wish you could go to, if they're not the right ones, Google is a beautiful thing. <laughs> it does have. Yeah. A t-
0: and you know, <laughs> you're, you're building this community and a network of of professionals. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. if somebody wanted to reach out to your network, mm-hmm. what is the quickest, easiest way to get a hold of you? We will put all your information in the, in the show notes but to hear from you what's the best way to get a hold of you
2: if you simply google parent tween connection and i'll spell it p a r e n t w e e n and when you see my logo logo you'll see the w is actually in parentheses because we really support families broadly we say 10 to 20 ish but really it's younger than that and older than that but so it's parent tween connection and where you know our website simplyparenttweenconnection.com And from there, you can get to our Facebook, our Instagram, our LinkedIn, all those places.
1: Excellent. Thank you so very, very much for your time, your insight, your wisdom. I love having the connections. And absolutely, um, you know, as time goes on, we'll see some of those local groups popping up. Keep going with the virtual stuff as well. Keep the soon to a
2: town near you. (laughs) and,
0: And as you can hear talking with Clarissa, she really does care. She really is. This is coming from her heart. It's it's obvious. So you know, if if you are needing help with your tweens, with your children, and you don't know where to go, you know, you can definitely reach out to her.
2: Oh, absolutely.
0: And we'd be, you know, we're we're happy to have you on here and to highlight you and to show you, you because you know what you're doing is valuable. And and hopefully, our parents, if they need help like that, will will definitely reach out for to you. Please
2: feel free to reach out. We are here to support any family with teens and tweens. Excellent.
1: All right, families. That is it for this show. Please remember to review us, like us, and check out our other podcasts as well. Thank you, Clarissa. And thank you, families. We'll talk to you all soon. Bye, everybody.